This is CliffCentral.com. Beyonce, 711, baby. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Cliff Central. Uh, it's frankly speaking on Wednesday morning. Uh, that was very good. A gentleman by the name of Hamilton Mabonya sends a message right now. He says, What? Opening up with Beyonce, Le Progressive Man. <laughs> you know what that means, Is, No, I don't. Oh, please explain. You that. are progressive, yo. Wow, oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I never got that from that. Domelango. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Drew Levy. Who's it? Who's it? Sharp, who's it? Hey, who's it? Who's Robert's a sharp or Maraca Kalekis Willem for it. It's 9 a.m. I've been awake for a very long time. Jeez. 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 So I've been learning Zulu for God knows how long, and it's still I don't speak it. But I feel like my Twana has become a lot, and Sutu has become a lot better than, than just Zulu, you know? I was going to say something very rude, but then. You I were? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fun. Say it. It's frankly speaking. It's okay. No, no, what do you want to say? Like our president's been learning to read for a while, too. It's okay. <laughs> 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 and that's how we start the show. Thank you to Gareth and the team back again tomorrow. Um, Rory, this is interesting stuff that we're talking about today. Does it's South Africa have a good story to tell? Wait, hold on. Before we start there, can we just say uh, that we are not doing a black and white thing today? Hey, is that not amazing? Is that Tico. not amazing? George They are not doing black and white issues. No black today. and white, wow. no racism, wow. nothing. You know what we're gonna speak about? We're gonna speak about storytelling. Does South Africa have a good story to tell? The ANC uh is adamant that South Africa has a good story to tell. Um uh the in about two thousand and three, I think, or was it twenty thirteen? I'm getting my stuff mixed up. Uh they wrote a they 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 put out a bulletin on July in July twenty thirteen they put out a bulletin and said we have a good story to tell. Those were the words of Secretary General Gweda Mantashe. Speaking about all of the achievements since uh, ANC took over government and um, sharing with and sharing with their members at that time to say we do have a good story to tell and we need to tell our story. It was a good story to tell. But, you know, Drew, I don't know. The life I'm living, growth rate at close to zero, recession looming, uh, junk status uh, also possibly looming. I've Unemployment got, is just oh. high. Do we really have a good story to tell? I, I mean, we do today. We definitely do today. President Zuma announced that he's going to be paying back some of the money. No, no, he said no. You see, you see, you see. This is how South <laughs> Africa gets disappointed. No, this is how South Africa consistently gets disappointed with President Zuma. I heard he did not say I'm paying back the money. He said I am willing to find an arrangement. Through which I might pay, <laughs> I might pay the money back. In other words, if I don't like whatever arrangement that you guys come up with, I've suggested an arrangement. If I don't like it, what you guys come up with, I might still not pay the money. He did not say he's paying the money. Don't get your hopes up. So, do you think this is just politicking for municipal elections? I, I, I really don't know anymore. You know what? Me and uh, our president, I, I don't understand him. So, I, I've I've quit trying to guess what's going on in our president's mind. It's an amazing moment in South African history just talking about stories. Is it is this the story that will will sink or float President Jacob Zuma in his legacy of being a president that he admitted to his fault and that he actually paid any money or he just said he would be prepared to pay any money and doesn't pay anything? 
I don't I, I don't know, man. There's so much that's happened um, in the Zuma administration that my sense is it's got it's, it's his legacy is going to be a lot more, a lot bigger than simply just um, paying back money or not paying it back. I think it's just it, it's it's such a it's such a sullied uh, a story of uh, or administration that I think it's just there's just going to be so much more. But you know there are others that look e- even staunch ANC members are saying, look, this is not the the Zuma presidency of the ANC and of. Um, of South Africa is not a good story to tell. Mm. Many staunch ANC supporters are saying this. Paul Mashatile. No, I don't know what Paul Mashatile <laughs> said. I'm, I suppose no. I love Paul Mashatile. He's back. He's back. Yes, who's back? Paul Mashatile <laughs> is back. So he, um, he's back. But Rory, you know, we're getting a little bit, uh, a little bit detailed here with with our story. Mm. But there's lots of stories in South Africa to tell, right? Yeah, and and I think it's the role of of artists to to who to typically tell those stories. You know, uh, Alan Moore says artists use lies to tell the truth. Uh, uh, yes, I created a lie, but because you believed it, you found something true about yourself. And um, we have constantly seen throughout uh, history how stories have either served to lift a nation or at least to conscientize us. Who can forget Sarafina? Did you ever watch Sarafina, Andrew? Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. Andrew. I did not the watch question. Sarafina. You see, that's that's how you know that we, we might say <laughs> we are one. No, we are one. We are not one. <laughs> we are not one. If you haven't watched Sarafina, <laughs> we are not one because no. our stories, our childhood stories are not the same. Why was Serafina so You were watching Captain you? Planet when I was watching Serafina. Do you understand? I didn't even know about Captain Planet. <laughs> Captain <laughs> yeah. Planet was on Bob TV back in the day. You had to give me a legal connection for that but, stuff. But do you, understand, do you understand how we have different outlooks on life because of that? It's absolutely true. I think uh, modern, and, uh, modern media uh, has definitely changed the outlooks. You know, like during apartheid, what were you watching compared to what I was watching? Yeah. Um, and how does that then change your mind frame? In terms of how you view the world, exactly. I, I think it's it, the stories that we tell will will consistently start to shape. I mean, that is why we're having these this this constant conversation about the role of the media in society, and to what extent uh, the, what we come to believe about people and about um, the country and so on is driven by the media and this agenda that that, that they're apparently driving, which is tell the negative stories and get people to get people to believe it, but you know, ultimately they get their stories from what's happening in the real world. Mm. And the question is, are we amplifying those stories? Um, are we amplifying them and in that way making them seem real? Or is it just what what's happening out there? Is, the, is this what's happening? I mean, our country is... Is, is, is really, I feel, I feel depressed every time, I mean, these days, you know, when I hear the news, what's happening, the drought, you know, governance issues, corruption, it's just, it's difficult not to feel down about being South African right now. And, and I'm, I'm keen to hear from our guests today about whether there, there might be a good story in the midst of all of this that is worth telling. And that might actually just elevate us. From where we are right now, absolutely. I think it's all—it's on all of us to to really, as storytellers of the South African situation, to tell a story that isn't what you see in the headlines. Because, so I, example, I had a mate who came over from the states, and he did some research on YouTube about South Africa before he came. Now, what stories do you think he got on YouTube uh, 
2000, circa 2009, about South Africa? Uh, Gandla? A whole bunch of negative things. He was so scared when he arrived at the airport mm. that he took like a private taxi to the house that he was staying at. He locked the doors. <laughs> he stayed indoors for the entire, like the first two days before, like he met someone. Mm. Because he was absolutely freaked out by the violence, by the crime. Funny enough, he, he referenced train surfing, you know, the Soweto train line and all the train surfing. And he was like, that's just too scary for me, man. I just hate that. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, yes, we have, uh, you know, our media has an obligation. But we as storytellers and as creatives also have an obligation to tell stories that are super interesting. So I'll give you an example. Um, last year, a author by the name of Lauren Bierkes, I don't know if you know her, but she basically writes horrors, mm. wrote the first ever story about a superhero from South Africa. Mm. What was his name? I don't know. I didn't read the book. <laughs> but <laughs> but, you I do, but you, you're right. But he, the, the, the premise of the story is that the superhero comes from Kailicha mm. and has some superpowers. I don't know what they are. But... The idea of a superhero that is South African, that has South African context, and that is not from a Gotham City or I don't know where where mm. all these these mm. these places that look like New York and Chicago are. Yeah. Um. But is actually localized. Yeah. And, and uh, we we underestimate the power. I mean, uh, one of our producers in Jabulum Kize uh, says art can also be negative, as it can romanticize the reality and distort the truth. So. Uh, the question is that having a superhero from Kailicha, um, or wherever, does it distort, does it, does it glorify, uh, the background that most South Africans have, or does it actually, uh, give us hope and say, you know, a superhero could come from, 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 uh, even our most humble, uh, our most humble communities. So, so this, this whole thing of the stories that we tell is, is very complicated in terms of just shaping the psyche of, of society, not just the story, but who tells it. You know, we, we've got a lot of white people telling the stories of black people. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about that? Mm. How do we feel about white people being the custodians of black history, for example? Those are all the types of issues that I think a show like this was made for. You know, the, the common example that I always give with this is the, the black people dancing for anything uh, on adverts. You see it with airtime, you know, mm. um, there's a mama sitting in a taxi and she receives a notification that she's just got five rand airtime from, from someone. Mm. And, and then suddenly it's like, hala, la, and she's dancing away in the taxi. And then it's like, Vodacom, power mm. to you. You yeah, know, you like, plug them. What? they have not paid rent onto <laughs> our show and you're plugging them. Well, I'm plugging them in Stop a bad it. way, nah. actually, because, um, <laughs> their adverts are totally shy. Nah. <laughs> no, but, um, Andrew Levy. <laughs> We still want them to pay rent on the show. <laughs> so listen, if you, what are your thoughts about the stories that South Africans should be telling and the stories we are telling? Hit us up on WeChat uh, at cliffcentral.com or you can hit us on Twitter as well at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore Levy, L-E-V-Y. And we want to hear from you. What are the stories that we should be telling in South Africa? What are the positive stories? Give us something positive about stories that you've heard in the past or movies, South African movies, South African sitcoms that you've been watching um, over the, the last little while and tell us why you thought it was so important. We'd love to hear your your thoughts as well. 0861-555-189 is the number to dial. We're getting some people who write 
for soapies to come in here. Yeah, it would be interesting. So, Jeez, who do you those think? Those things there. <laughs> who do you think is the villain in South Africa's story right now? Who's the hero inside? You know who? You know who's a hero? You know who, who who's a hero? It's a it's 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 our public protector. I think she would she would be if we were writing a story. The public protector right now is what a big is gonna hero. Be her Everybody cries power. to her. Everybody goes to the public protector. Even even when it's domestic issues, like they call the public protector, she has now become the superhero for this country. The question is, who's the villain? Who do you think is the villain? Between F. W. De Klerk and Jacob Zuma, who's who would worse? you make the villain? In, in South Africa, no, but you story see, right this now. is the thing because it, we're thinking of a series, right? You can't have one villain. You've got to have a villain who who, <laughs> who hates another villain. So I think actually, the like massive villain has to be FW. Like he's like the hectic villain, you know? Why though? Because he's just been around longer as a villain. <laughs> Him but, and also his PR agent. Who's that guy that we spoke to? Who? Oh my God! Who is that guy? Don't get me started. Anyway. You know, Ireland has been said to be the land of happy wars and sad love songs. Uh, looking at South Africa today, one might argue that the same is true for us. Glorified accounts on all sides of what apartheid and the fight against it was, such that when we are angry and even when we are happy, it is to songs of that era, icons of that era and ideologies of that era that we reach. On the other hand, we can also argue that the story of a democratic South Africa has increasingly become a sad love song. One that seemed optimistic at the beginning when it was being conducted by Nelson Mandela, yet one that has become sullied by betrayal and bitterness and anger later on. South Africa, are we the land of happy war songs, happy wars and sad love songs? I bet South Africa is the most, one of the most exciting stories right now. We're not, we're not monotone. There's always something new. You've got JG Zuma. You know, like J.G. Zuma really provides, gives flavor to the story of South Africa, I feel. Uh, you've got Julius, who also adds a lot of flavor to, 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 to what South Africa is. Um, one might argue that if you look at, at, at how his, his posturing has, 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 has come about over time since ANC Youth League is a villain turned into a good guy. Mm. Um, you've got white people. You know what role do they play now in South Africa? You've just got white people. Like, just, just white people. They're just like sitting there, you know. And, and, what are they and, doing? What are, are they, they extras? Doing? Are they extras? Or are they playing a leading role? Uh, you've got black people. What are they doing? Are they just providing the singing and the dancing <laughs> in the story? You know, like the story, South Africa's story, man, is just, it's just fascinating. And I look forward to speaking to our guests, uh, people who write for soapies and so on to say, if you were to create a story out of what we see in South Africa, what would it be? What would the plot be? What would the emotion behind it be? Is it a comedy? Is it a horror? Or is it suspense? <laughs> Let's get into our first guest and stop talking crap here because you, you, you and your, your politics, obviously stories in South Africa are much more than just politics what and the economy. DA? What is a DA? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not even getting there. <laughs> uh, Zuletu, is Radebe? Oh, thank goodness I got that right. I was worried. Radebe. You it's, see, that's another thing okay, in the story. No, okay, no, I'm, I'm mispronunciations. <laughs> what did you just call Mabali? Mabeli. No, Mabeli Malloy. Yeah, we'll go there. 
We'll go there. Zoletu Radeb. How are you, my friend? I'm well in you, brother. Very cool. Zoletu is one of the young storytellers of South Africa. He's a director at Velocity Films, and he's currently making his own film. He's made short stories. He's made short films before. This guy is interesting. Zoletu. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you fell in love with stories of South Africa. Sure. Um, I think for me, to be honest with you, the first time I really felt that I was connecting with African stories was when I read uh, a couple of short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I just picked up a book the one day and I started reading it and I said, okay, cool. I'm still at film school. Let me just try and make, make one of these stories into, into, into a movie. And that's when I started to discover our local, um, authors, your Njabulun Debeles, your, uh, Khan Tembers. And the, the story which I adapted at the time was Ahmed Esop's story, the Haji. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was, I, I got introduced into this world of short stories, which I thought was great for short story filmmaking. So I started to explore the, you know, South African uh, authors and their work and started reading their, 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 their narratives. And from, from there, I just fell in love with the South African story. I'm interested to hear from both of you, actually, as we have our next guest sitting down with us, Rosalind. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear next from you guys. Where did your, st- you, oh, me. black okay. people, you, uh-huh. because you are representing now. Uh, no, I, I'm interested to hear where, where stories, South Af- what South African stories did you pick up in your childhood? Um, that, that really, so going back a little bit, let's go to the history of where our stories came oh. from. What stories really interested you guys, um, when you were growing up? I think for me, you know, there's one story that stuck out for me, uh, when we were still in school, actually, that I read, uh, a story called Impimpi. Uh, which was a story about a man who was uh, falsely c- accused of being a spy um, because he had had a tape recorder placed in one of his one of his bags. And from there he was necklaced and from there he was uh, taken out on the streets. It was a political story, but it was, uh, for me, it, I remember it striking me just visually in my imagination when I read it. Uh, and I remember reading it with my mother at school. And I remember that that was, for me, a story that just felt real because I had... I, I don't know, I just could connect with it for some weird reason. The, the, the characters, the people, and also the twist that this man was, was, was being framed, you know. And for me, that was, that was for me, you know, just recollecting which story stuck with me in my childhood. That would be it. So, so that story mm. is a literary story. Yes. Right? I, I find that very interesting because the stories that I remember from my childhood aren't literary. Mm. The literary stories that I remember are the stories that, you know, probably most, let's say, middle class kids would, would remember stories you read, the Hansel and Gretel's, Cinderella's, mm, and mm, so on. Mm. But when I think about television and the stories that stick out, it's Sarafina. Mm, it's seeing somebody get necklaced in Sarafina, for example. It was stories of struggle. It was, it was, and if it wasn't, at 8 o'clock p.m., there used to be what we used to call stories. Story. At 8 p.m., you would go home and watch whatever was playing at that time, whether it was Dixie Tolle, uh, whether it was Karanhope, whether it was Mopeme. Mopeme was a big one. You should ask my brother about Mopeme because it was her people. A, a stock, a, a guy that steals, uh, that steals cattle and so on. Those were the stories that we, <laughs> we grew up watching. Are you saying right? Mopeme's people are thieves? No, <laughs> it was based in the mountains of Lesotho. That's what I'm saying. Oh, right? okay. But, okay. but those were the stories. So it's, so it's quite interesting that on the one hand, what we read, and I'm fascinated by the fact that that early on in your, in your childhood, you already being exposed to, 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 to African and black storytelling, literary wise, because I didn't, I didn't get that opportunity. How was, that type of storytelling introduced to you? I think, you know, when I'm thinking now, I go back to 
getting getting into the car after my dad would fetch me from school, and he would be listening to you know a specific radio station which would be playing specific stories. Ah, yes. And I think that was already embedding stories within me. Mm. And I remember it was very um, exaggerated storytelling in the way people would project their voices and in the way that they would tell their stories. And for me, it was interesting to see how you could you could tell the character changes within the, the different voices and the different tones and the different. Uh, uh, um, you know, at that time, some some of the languages you wouldn't even understand. You know, when you at that age, you know, and it was already for me engaging because I was I was engaging in the emotion of the of the voice, which uh, was before I could I could see on television or watch a movie or uh, a TV TV series or soapy. Yeah. I want to bring Ro- Ros in here. Rosalind Butler is wow. You are an amazing person. You see, I, I've read a little bit about you. I've seen your stuff. This young woman here was uh, part of uh, the team that built Material. Do you remember that movie? No. Rory, did you ever see it? Of course. No, it wasn't on SABC one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't on Bob TV. Like you were watching that. Uh, uh, material, it's not such a long time ago, uh, Roz, that uh, Material came out. But it was what I loved about it was it was a South African story, but very specific. So it was about a Muslim guy who wanted to be a comedian. And I think it's it's this there are parts of truth in that, aren't there? Yeah, Riyad Musa, who was the lead actor, was based. Okay, we got to bring your mic a little closer so we can hear you. You know. Oh, sorry. There, there we go. you go. Better? Now we're going. Cool. Um, yeah, it was based. Um, he he was a a doctor, a Muslim doctor who wanted to be a comedian. So uh, it wasn't literally his story, but it was based on him. So let's talk about. You've had a rich history in the South African story writing space. You've done plays. You've done movies. Talk to me a little bit about where your stories come from. I mean, what were you watching in, like in the past when you were growing up? What are the stories that really well, connected with you? I thought it was interesting about the radio angle because when I was a child, we didn't have TV. So it was all radio. And I think it's really, especially for film, for kind of writing film, because you have to put the pictures in your head when you're listening to radio. You know, you have to imagine it. You have to visualize it just from the words and obviously the performances. So I think it's a great way of creating that kind of imagination that allows you to tell stories visually because film is very visual and um, you've got to be able to see it to write it. Roz, you started, uh, I'm not sure when you started, but it must have been quite a while back. Um, What got you into storytelling as a vocation? Why uh, quite a while back? uh, You ageist. (laughs) I said I'm not sure, but it might have been quite a while back. Five years ago is quite a while back. Ten years. Ten years was quite a while back. What's wrong with you? Keep digging. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, my mother read to me uh, from very young, and she actually exposed me to a lot of myths, fables. Um, I found, you know, Bible stories. All of those kind of um, stories essentially are, are... the basis of all other stories, you know. Mm. So, um, and then of course, Enid Blyton loved even ah, Blyton. Enid. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just read a huge amount, and um, and then started writing my own stories quite young, yeah, as a child. And and how do you think that the, that early experience of BFG and Matilda and all of those uh, Enid Blyton stories helped to shape? The, the the way in which you 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 tell stories or you know did did that did that start to influence the types of stories that you found believable and not believable um, and and let's assume that this was in a time when South Africa was still in its dark past 
Um, were you being exposed to any of those stories of what's, what was happening as well? Well, certainly at school, um, in terms of the literature, we were exposed to um, Sydney High School. But as a child, um, I certainly know a new traditional African stories that my mother read to me. But um, I, th- I always was very aware of, of the situation, but I don't think through literature. You know, I think it was through my family and a lot of talking and yeah. Which, which itself is a is a form of storytelling. Yes, yes. Now, I want us to get into just understanding how we tell the stories of the past. Then, um, both of you are storytellers in the present, um, but we've got stories about the past, and and there's 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 obviously a responsibility on storytellers, whether your medium is television, radio. Um, graphics and so on, of telling the story with integrity. Um, but it, do you sense a responsibility to also tell it in a way that does not uh, dig up old or, or, or dig up old wounds um, and, and that doesn't bring up old bitterness? Or, you know, how do you tell the, the story of our past in a way that doesn't do that? You have to be authentic. In You know, you can't kind of... Yeah, I mean, Edith Blyton is a good example because it's not based in reality. And if you're writing like that, then, you know, I mean, they're not that many kind of gangs of children solving mysteries and having happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you have to be authentic and you have to, and possibly, you know, if you want to try and find an inspiring way of, of telling, you know, a dark story. Mm. I think for me, you know, with uh, talking about authenticity, I think you can't avoid being being truthful in the way you approach the story and tell the story. So mm. there, there isn't a way in which you should kind of conceal or try and, uh, you know, not, not project it in the way that it, it, it comes across. And, and for me, what I've always been interested in stories from the past is the, the human struggle and not the arms struggle. Um, because the human struggle for me was always interesting because people would I always make this example that people would always would fall in love. People would have relationships within these struggles that we all know these events that have taken place, but mm. People were still living life within those events, yes. you know, during the war, whether it's, you know, the world war, during yes, apartheid, yes. during all of these issues and events that have happened in our world, people have lived life in those, those issues. And, mm. and for me, I think those are the interesting stories that I find that it's the backdrop that we use of, you know, the apartheid or the war mm. that we have, but then we tell the stories which are affected by this backdrop. I like what you're saying there as the human struggles, because if, if you're exposing me to a human struggle, then whether I'm black or white, regardless of what color or gender the, the, the human that I'm watching is, I can relate. Uh, to what extent do you think we are, we are getting that right in South African storytelling right now? Are we, are we, are we tapping into that human struggle in, in a powerful way? Roz? I think, well, we've got so many. I mean, soaps are hugely popular, and you get different kinds of soaps. You know, you get the kind of um, totally unrealistic soap, which is based on an American model, or you get… Give us an example. Okay. This so is da- central, okay. frankly speaking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, like, okay, so Days of Our Lives is the American version. Probably yes. Generations here is more based unrealistic on Unrealistic. Well, it's just kind of aspirational, glamorous, but not rooted in everyday life. Yeah. There is nothing unrealistic about Ridge Forrester <laughs> marrying his daughter and his daughter's <laughs> aunt That's and his totally cousin. realistic, right? Totally and, realistic. And, and they're all like 50 years <laughs> younger than him. There's nothing real, unrealistic about that. But then I think most of our soaps are based more in a kind of real world. Um, like Skim Sam, Rhythm City, um, Isidengo has become kind of quite glamorous, but it's still, you know, the characters are still real. Scandal, which I work for at the moment, um, also it tries to be, we try and 
represent real people with real situations, but obviously it's a soap. So, you know, stories are elongated. It's a different way of storytelling. Mm. In terms of film, I think there are some, there have been some amazing films that are very authentic and with real characters. I mean, I think, personally, I believe it's all about the characters. Yeah. You know, you can tell any story if you have believable real characters that engage you and you root for them. But coming back to my question then, how do we tell the story of our past, particularly to this generation? Because the further away we move from apartheid, for example, the details of the why, the who, the when start to become blurry. You know, F.W. Dutlerk at some stage was a hero. Today, when you read a lot of the comments about him is this guy should be in jail, he should die and all of that. There's a responsibility to, 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 on storytellers to tell the story of the past genuinely, but also perhaps, and, and you, you tell me whether you feel there is a responsibility to not, to not, to not make sure that we carry on the, the past hurts uh, in doing so. Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk about that, I'm actually, I'm making a film, uh, that I've just been through development and we actually going into production this year with. And when I, the story is set in the 1980s and it looks at the old, the execution process that happened in Pretoria, um, during that period from 80 to 89. And for me, I looked at the story and when I was presenting it to, 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 to an organization, they were, they were saying to me that what are the, re- what, are, what are the things that are relevant today about your story? And I looked at how it looked at, um, male identity. It looked at, um, the identity of, of, of a man and in terms of how that sometimes is, is, mo- is molded by the presence of a father figure in life and how that story, even though I'm telling it in 80, is still relevant today mm. in terms of how that speaks to the youth because of, you know, maybe the instance of absent fathers or, um, you know, maybe father figures not being there. So the story has its relevance. It's a father-son story um, set in the 80s, which talks, which has got the backdrop of apartheid. But the story isn't about apartheid, it's about the father and son. And that identity of how of how a man is 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 create or so how, how a man forms his identity through his father. Mm, mm. And for me, that story for me, whether it's told today or tomorrow, um, is still relevant, or whether it's seen overseas or it's mm. seen in other countries. Because Those, it's a human struggle. Because it's, it's not a human the, struggle. Mm, mm. So for me, I think we can tell stories that are. I think the universal truth is that we are we still going through the same issues, just a different time period, mm. uh, within a different climate, but mm. uh, the issues are still the same. Rose, I'm very interested, <clears throat> just from, from your perspective as a white female who, who lived in apartheid for a period of time, not a very long period of time, because uh, you're so young and so am I, uh, you know, but would you ever take that on, that narrative of what it was like to be a white uh, South absolutely, African? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's my reality. And, you you know, you have to write from your truth when so yeah, absolutely. How do we tell that story? Because it's well, something. It's not, no, but you <clears> see, it's not that story. It's a story of a girl who lived during apartheid. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. my story is different from someone else's sure. story. I mean, as you were saying, the backdrop is apartheid, mm. but not everyone had exactly the same experience. And I think you've got to be careful of not. You, you can't tell a history lesson. Mm. You know what I mean? That's that's for the classroom yeah. or maybe a documentary. But when you're doing drama. You have to tell the story of people and specific people with the, as you said, the human struggle. Because, you know, did you see the Mandela movie? Long Walk to Freedom? Yes. Or the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I took my children and my daughter, I think, was about 11 then. And um, she, she was crying so much that she couldn't speak. You know wow. what I mean? In fact, her brother moved away. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I can't hear she's because yeah. she was like uh, yeah. you know wow. and and I thought it was amazing I mean not the movie you know was was amazing in many ways it, it wasn't a huge success and mm. you know it's very the biopic is very hard 
uh, yeah. genre because people try and tell everything mm. and you actually need to focus on a small part of that life in oh, order to life, tell the yeah, bigger yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But um, I thought it was very interesting because um, for her, it was it brought everything home in a very real way. Of of and that was a kind of this is apartheid because it was his life and yeah. you know so yeah what what specifically did she find absolutely mortifying um, she found well obviously the imprisonment the the violence the you know the way people were treated the dehumanization of people mm. yeah so you touch on a very uh, important aspect of storytelling which is just catharsis right yes. and the opportunity for us to go there and to feel the moment and to 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 just let our feelings go yes. um in the moment and seeing what's been happening this year the racism and so on what is it do you think we need to be screening more of those stories what, what why is it that we 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 seem to have forgotten have we failed to carry those stories into the present and kept them relevant to the present. Why is it that we were forgetting? It, it almost feels like South Africa needs to have more of those moments of just confronting where we come from and confronting why it's still relevant to worry about it in the present day. Where are we failing in making sure that that happens? Hmm. I think, you know, in terms of literature, if we look, if we look back, we, we know that literature, of course, was, was dominant in, in the previous time in terms of at that being the, the medium of storytelling. Of course, today the medium of storytelling has become visual and television and film. And I feel that the libraries of today are the visual libraries, which are the stories that we're telling. And I think, you know, our industry is still very young, but we still have a responsibility to, you know, for us to archive those stories, we need to make them into films as well, I think. And we need to tell those stories that were so great then and bring them back into this, into, into this time and remind ourselves why they were so good. Cause mm-hmm. I don't think a great story, you know, some might say, okay, it's a great story, so leave it as a story. Don't, don't, don't make it into a film. But I think we can at least attempt to and be able to engage those who would never read it as a book mm. to be able to at least grasp some of the, 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 the elements that we, we, we wanted to kind of derive out of those for, for people to understand what, 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 what we're going through then through cinema. Because some people just won't read books, mm. unfortunately, today. But you know. do you think that by doing that, we will get the generation today that was never there to just come to that moment? Because I think that's a very powerful moment. It's that moment where things become real. How long that effect lasts is another question, but it, it, it's, a, it's a moment that you cannot ignore when a story has been narrated so well that it has touched something inside of you and made you come to terms with it. How do we How do we? Get, it, it just seems like we're forgetting uh, or we're just oblivious to it and that is a part of who we are. H- how do we do that? I think that probably a movie about racism now would be very effective in terms of that. Um, there are movies being made, um, uh, you know, using that as, as kind of central theme of, of the story. But because I think, you know, I think, yes, in the moment, the past and um, – but for, for someone today whose reality is probably something that, that, that resonated with him or her today, now, uh, could, could, might be more cathartic than something from the past. Yeah, I think you, you're right. I mean, you look at the, you look at, just coming to my head now is the story of, uh, Paul Hagerst did Crash. And when Crash, Crash came out, that was, you know, it was uncovering certain things that were happening in the contemporary America at that time, mm. which people weren't maybe necessarily focusing on. It was a reality, but in that film, was an amazing film. And I feel that, you know, there, there could be opportunity to make a film that, that was translated in that way <clears throat> in our, in our society, in a contemporary world, because, you know, it's, I think that, you know, racism that is subtle is far worse than racism that is 
which, which is blunt, mm. and mm. you make me see it. Mm. And I felt that that film was exposing those things. Mm. And if we can make stories again that do that, you know, and this this is not a, it's not fictional; it's reality. You know, that will resonate with everybody because it's the truth. Everybody knows about it, mm. so it's, it it will resonate. People will go watch it. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about stories in South Africa. Does South Africa have a good story to tell? Uh, we've got Zuletu Radebe. He's a young storyteller, filmmaker, director, ad man in, uh, in studios. Oh, he hates the ad man word. And Rosalind Butler, she's a writer, screenplay, uh, actually uh, an actress as well at some stage. Uh, Are those days over? Yeah, those days over. <laughs> I thought I'd seen you somewhere. Oh, yeah, that's what they all say, Rory. That's what they all say. I'm interested, you know, as, as two South Africans, young South Africans, are we bored of that historical, the historical story? I mean, really, like, there's a lot of people in South Africa when you, we, you know, like, we hear it all the time because Rory and I, you know, traditionally talk about race. So we're taking a break today because people are sick and tired of race from Rory and Andrew. But are we, are we bored of that story? You know what I heard? The other, I was watching a documentary the other day and that. In, America, in Europe, they've been telling stories about the war for decades, and they haven't gotten tired of that story because there's so many. It's so layered, you know. I don't think we can be able to get sick of that story because it's it's part of who we are. It's our history, so I don't think we can avoid it, and I don't think we should because it's important for us to. If we try and forget it, then we won't we won't we won't remember it, and we we often will probably re, you know re, redo that you know what we did then. So I think. We should never get into that point. I hope not. That we feel that we've told it too many times. It's about how we tell the story, how we arrange that story, and how we bring it into a, a contemporary world. So we can tell a story about a bad day, but in the present day, you know, Baz Luhrmann, the, the the filmmaker, tells stories about you know Montagu and Capulet that's from decades ago, but he modernizes it, you know, and tells it in an interesting way. We haven't even got into that t- that point of experimentation, I think. With our stories So we still got a long way I think Before we can say we're bored Or we're tired of that story um, In the way we can arrange it And it can be a comedy It doesn't have to be So serious and deep And you know I had to really rack yeah. my brain For Montague and Capula But yeah. then it came to me It yeah. came to me In a, in a grade Baz, 9 yeah. Like remember English Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> Blue 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 um, Blue and red uh, what, what is it Filters Blue and Blue and red filters and what they mean on the thing. Look at you, Mr. Uh, Art Director. Uh, Roz, your thoughts? Are we bored? Are we done? Is it over? No, I absolutely agree. You've got to find different ways of telling that story. Mm. And and y- you speak about uh, it's the truth. And, and you say it so matter-of-factly that, yeah, it's the truth and if we just tell it. But, you know, when we came into democracy, there was a single narrative about what happened in the past and how we came to where we are and so on. But it seems that uh, more recently, there, there are many versions of the truth that are starting to come out. I gave the example of F.W. Dittler was a hero for a while. And then later on now, he's a villain to some. He's a hero to some. Nelson Mandela himself was a hero for a while and 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 as 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 time has gone on now some say he's a villain and some say he's a hero how have we come to this point where you know we're now the, the story that was a single story is unraveling into so many different stories and is that necessarily a bad thing Roz I don't think so um it, because every person as I was saying you know a girl growing up under apartheid and another girl will have different narratives and different ways experiences so I don't know. I think it's um it's hard to 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 say everyone talks from where they're coming from and they make a call according to what they've experienced. So I don't think there's any absolute truth uh anywhere really. 
No, I think with your, with your point about being told that, that narrative, mm. you know, it's interesting that you say being told. It's almost as though we, we, we were, we were streamlined to think in a specific way. Yes. And I think it's beautiful that people have different, are looking at it from a different angle. Mm. Cause I think there's many truths to the truth, mm. you know, and sometimes you, you don't have to necessarily look at it in the way that you've been told to see it. And I think that's, that, that makes room for great storytelling because it's a different, a different opinion about how you see that, 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 yeah. that, that, that truth, you know. So I think it's important that we, it's great that people are not just taking the story for what it's been told mm. and that they are looking at it from a different side of it because there are so many sides to it. So I think it's, it makes for great storytelling, but also for great thinking. You guys are both very well versed in, in, in movies, it sounds like, and, and stories. Who's done a really good job in South Africa with regards to storytelling? And, and who's done a very poor stories job? Stories of our past, specifically. Yeah, like who's, who, I mean, let's name and shame some people that have done absolute shite work. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, Look, we mentioned Sarafina at the beginning. You see how mm-hmm. everyone quiet, everyone's very yeah. quiet after that. So. Bongeningem. Hmm. He's he's been good. We haven't seen any stuff from you know since Sarafina. Mm, mm. Uh, is there anything else that? Uh, I think you know right now it's 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 more the contemporary story. I think uh, I'm I'm excited to see the the story from uh, Akina Matosa called Vaya, mm. which is coming out soon. But is that a contemporary story? It's a contemporary. We're going to get into that. Yeah. We want to just ra- of the past uh, stories right. of our past. What are some of the stories that uh, Ros that you know you think this was a really good. Uh, capturing whether it was literary, whether it was movies, uh, artwork, uh, things that you think these things have really captured our past in in a really moving way. Uh, a friend of ours uh, uh, speaks of Anneke Kroch, for example, as somebody mm. that used to tell great stories in in that. I uh, think um, Ethel Fugard and um, some of the workshops that Barney Simon did at the Market Theatre, just in terms of theatre, are amazing. Um, uh, representations of a time and place, but written then. Yeah. Okay, so written in the immediacy of the horror or of. Um, I think, yeah, my, my background is theatre, and I think we have a rich history of plays that tell the story of the past in a, in a, in a very moving and beautiful way. Who did the suit? Um, well, Cantember was the. Cantember. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I remember. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah but, and then it was adapted, um, at the market theatre. Yeah. Okay. And there was also a short story made about it as well. A short film that was made. And that was actually, you know, so the suit was, was one of the stories that was in the, the, the Haji that I had found at the time, which was Amit, Amit Esop's work. And again, when I spoke about the arm struggle versus the human struggle is that those stories were looking at the human struggle, mm. you know, people's relationships and their lives within that time. And I made Esop as well. You know, he talks on forgiveness. He talks on identity without you knowing that about this happening just because mm. you're reading the book at that time, which I think is beautiful. Mm. Um, so I love the, the, the stories of old, I guess, that were being written then. I want the both of you to just because we, we we've got a young listenership so to to just provide recommendations of stories from the past that you would you would definitely recommend uh, that 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 our listeners just uh, get to see or read before before that though let me just find out from you so I'm going to give you a chance to think about it but how do you tell the stories of the past in an age of social media you know do people still have time and the patience to even watch 
two-hour format stories to even read long books about the, you know, the, 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 the long walk to freedom is a thick book. Do, does this generation even still want to read books that thick? Um, or, or, or just as emotionally involved as, for example, I write what I like, Steve Biko. Um, or, or, or are we having to adapt storytelling to the social media world, in, especially stories about the past? Well, I think, you know, when you look at social media right now, you have more accessibility to stories, which means you, it's it also, it gives people a lot of choice. So you can either like something or hate it. Um, and what I've seen with what they, how they arrange story t- stories on, online is that you have, seg- you can segmentalize a story. So you can take out one scene out of it and put it online or put it on, on, on a 15 second, uh, Instagram, uh, post, which can engage me at a specific point in the story, whether it's an action scene, which will get me to go watch the story. So I think it's allowing the story to be, um, exposed in different ways for a different type of viewer, because whatever social media, I, I probably understand that they, they look at what the audience is and know what part of the story will engage that specific audience and then be able to market that bit to that audience in that specific medium, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, whether it's um, online YouTube video, you know. So there are different ways in which they are being able to engage people. I think the story is there. It's just in terms of people, the engagement and how to hook them, how to grab them. I'd love to see the long walk to freedom in a tweet format. Eh? Well, there is a picture book. It's going to be my a little son's got one. A picture book. Yeah. <laughs> How there many go, tweets do you think that might be? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a long walk to the to the end. <laughs> Ros, you, well, I think in terms of what you're saying, if if things have to be condensed, um, mm. we've got brilliant short stories, you know, from the 50s and 60s, and Cantember and other writers who wrote for Drum. I mean, there's a huge uh, history there. Um, Nadine Gordimer. Um, I think you know, if you don't have a lot of time, read a short story. Mm. Yeah, and you know, like a lot of these um, like art galleries and exhibitions that are happening in the city, you get short. I mean, I've, I attended a short film festival that we we, we had going in Bramfontein, and it was a great p- platform because people were walking past and just coming in and watching for five ten minutes and then mm. walking out. They, they were captivated and they could think about something. Whereas I do understand two hours could be too long for somebody to just walk past and say, "I'm sitting now for two hours." You yeah, know? yeah. That commitment might be a bit too much. But short stories, I really agree with Rosalind, is that it's a great way to capture the audience in a very quick way. So, so as we close off on stories of our past, your recommendations. Uh, for just a story from the past that's worth just having a read through, a, a look at. Uh, I mean, based on the fact that I adapted the story, I'd say the Haji, but all of Ahmed Esop's work, mm. all of Kantemba's work, and Jabul and Debele's work, mm. get all this African short story anthologies that Why? are out there. What, what is it about those stories? I mean, I was in my early 20s when I, when I read those stories and they were engaging me, mm. you know, and we were watching, you know, blockbusters. But there was something about those stories which was different to what I'd, what I'd always seen. And that's what really got me into watching and loving independent storytelling, which was really more hot, like had, it had story to it. Mm. It had characters that I was moved, you know. Mm. Um, so I feel that's what happened to me. That was my experience. T- yeah. Give us, find the word for it. So something happened. What is it that happened? What was that thing? Like, fi- help me find, you're a, you're a writer. Yeah, yeah. Help me find it the was, word. It was, for me, I, I could see myself in the characters. I could see myself in those characters and it's like, you know, Steven Spielberg says that when he watches, I think he watched uh, a movie with his daughter and his daughter was able to point to the screen and say that that, that girl's like me. Mm. And if we can, if we can get viewers to watch and say that that's, that's like me, that's, that's telling us truth. That's a, that, that's great because then they're engaging with the story and, and those characters. 
Roz? I think um, you mentioned Ike Kroch and Story of My Skull. Jeez. Um, yeah. Mm. Country written, of My Skull. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah. That book is, is riveting. Yeah. And I mean, certainly in terms of the truth and reconciliation and commission at that, at that time, I think that's a really good book to read. I'm, I'm fascinated by, by what you guys are saying. And, and it really is interesting to hear stories of our past being brought to life. And it's not, you know, Rory, what I, what I'm really liking about the new narrative, which we're going to get into is it's a lot more particular and specific instead of these overarching themes of like apartheid and human atrocities. It's like this person named Sarah or Tendeka or whoever it is is now living the life of something. And I think that's where the present storytelling is going. Uh, Roz, you you are a script writer for Soapies, yeah. Um, and and I say that with a little laugh in my in my voice because I've always wondered who are those people that are writing that stuff, and it's you. It's me. It and, is and you. And a lot of others. So, you are so the one that brought Tembeka to life. Tembeka is is here. Tembeka <laughs> was brought to life before I joined the show, but yes, um, you are the one keeping her alive. One of them. Oh, shameful. <laughs> so now, tell me, you, you said you've written for Issy Dingo. You've yeah, I worked for Issy Dingo for 13 years you, um, from the early days. And yeah. You write for Scandal right now, yeah. uh, Rhythm City as well. I used to uh, do story for Rhythm City. I've written a lot of dramas, home affairs, d- different TV dramas that wow. have been on. So, yeah. So where does this stuff come from? I mean, Lindiwe this week is forced to come clean to her parents. I mean... Where, where you, why is Lindiwe doing this? And, and, and where do these stories Lindiwe's a teenager, okay. So That's this was, this was actually quite easy for you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Having kids yourself, eh? Yeah. But I'm interested to hear, like, how do you, you know, a lot of people will, will, um, go, oh, soapies, you know, like these stories, but generations is watched by 17 million people mm. a day. Mm. Um, how are you mm. continuously building stories around these characters? Well, I think the deadline helps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quickly, know, quickly, Lindiwe, we've got to do something with her. What, what, what can she do? What can she yeah, do? I mean, there's, there's a huge process and it's really planned out. Um, there's a year plan. We have brainstorms every three months. We meet as a team. We talk about it. What about this? What about that? No, that's terrible. No, yes, maybe. You know, and, and, and through a process of, of teamwork and, and a lot of, and it's it's very detailed. We do a lot of detailed work, and um, yeah, every everything is thought through very carefully. I can't, I can't talk about every soap, but of course, just in, in in our story team, has there ever been a mistake that you've actually realised only once it's aired or once you've got feedback and you're like, no, Ooh, we yeah, Lindiwe did that and this. We probably shouldn't be doing that. Well, I think I know long ago on another soap. Um, it's when the actors change the words um, and or, or improvise that something can go horribly wrong because they can blow a story out of the water. You know, Do you have an example? Um, well, on one soap, it was just it was this long story about this character who wanted to sail a yacht up Africa, and at the last minute he was going to get terrified when he heard about pirates. And then three weeks before that, one of the actors said, "Oh, and something about the pirates in on the east coast of Africa," and we're like. What? <laughs> that wasn't on the script, man. Like, what are you saying yeah. right now? But um, no, generally, generally, it's it, and it goes through a lot of people. You know, it goes through the <clears throat> producers. It goes a lot of people look at it. So it would be rare to have a major 
a major mess up. Major blunder. Mm. So, so let, let, let's talk about the stories of our present. Uh, any, any good story I've been taught is, is built on the conflict between either man and man, man and himself, uh, and man and the elements. Mm. And when you say man, you mean man and woman, don't you? Just yes, to clarify Andrew. your gender-specific roles there. Yes, Thank yes, you. Thank yes, you. to be politically keep, correct keep about it. Humankind. No, just be correct. Not <laughs> okay, fine, fine. Hey, <laughs> you know, today was supposed to be one of those shows, not one of those shows. <laughs> so, we'll get there, we'll get there, okay. Humankind against humankind. Uh, humankind and himself and herself and humankind and the elements. So so that that's typically the conflict that, that shape most of the good stories. Looking at South Africa today... And what's happening in South Africa today? Which of those do you think characterizes the story of South Africa today? Is is the story of South Africa today um, between man? So, so if we look at the story of the past, one can argue that the overwhelmingly the the story was about man against man, um, white against black in some respects, uh, black against uh, the oppressive government. So, man against man in this era. What do you think the, 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 the defining conflict of the story in South Africa is? I think it's still, it's still very much the same. I think, you think it's, it's still man and man? I think it's still man and man. Mm. I think um, at the end of the day, we, 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 we're still battling to, to kind of, we're still wrestling one another, I think, mm. um, and our own issues as well. I think it's also man against himself. Um, mm. Because there's certain things that we're dealing with that you have to deal with with yourself before you can deal with others. Give us examples. So, 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 if you say it's man against man, which, mm. which, which, who are the, the 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 people in the different camps? And and when you say man against himself, mm. what are those things? I think you know when man a, man against himself is maybe specific ideas or ideologies that you have in, within yourself mm. that uh, you haven't been able to deal with. So you are not you're not able to kind of engage with others who might have a different opinion on that because you haven't dealt with yourself and your belief systems and your belief structures. For instance, um, if uh, you are dealing with race issues within yourself, if you haven't dealt with it within yourself, you can't be able to engage with others about it in a, in a, in a, in a way that's not going to be biased to the way that, you, that, that you're feeling within mm-hmm. yourself. So I think it's important for you to be able to also understand where someone else is coming from mm. you know, before you can judge or you know or, or use another way of, of 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 your opinion on it you mm. know what i mean so i think i've seen that a lot just mm. in, in conversations mm. where i see mm. that i'm talking to somebody who is, is dealing with, some, with himself is, is in conflict with himself mm. and therefore we can't continue the conversation because you're not going to <laughs> you're not I can, part I can, of the, i can see where it's going yeah you're yeah. never going to get to seeing it the way i do yeah and i respect that yeah but uh it's understanding that because sometimes you can waste your time arguing with somebody who's not going to see it yeah you know but uh I guess it's still important also for you to argue so that you can have them at least shed some light on what you see. Or contribute or to, 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 contribute, to, to yeah, that conflict. Into to that conflict. Roz, is, is, it the, is the defining uh, conflict of the story of South Africa today man against himself, or do you think it's more man against man still? I, I agree that it's at both, but I think there's a, a core struggle that's kind of quite... Um, Pervasive, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I think there's a struggle of identity. You know, who am I? Uh, where do I fit in as a, as a, as a, you know, and I, yeah, I think we're all kind of redefining ourselves in a way. And, and I think recent events have, 
um, kind of brought this very much to the fore, which I don't, I think is a positive thing because people are asking questions and people are talking about racism and, um, looking at themselves. And, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think as long as you're engaging in, in dialogue around difficult, um, sometimes painful subjects, um, it's a positive thing. And I think we can do that in our stories as well. What is the story that you're excited to write? I mean, I know you, you, you've got a boatload of things on at the moment, and this is to both of you. What, what is the story that, that you've just, it's been burning inside you to speak about? And maybe, you know, I'm hoping it is a South African story, but, but if it's not, that's okay as well. But what is the narrative that you want to portray? Um, for me, um, it's, it's about being someone who's privileged uh, in, an, in a society that's very unjust. Um, and mm. and the complexity around that, and the guilt, and the way you're confronted with who you are and others all the time, and yeah, the 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 burden of that. And this is a personal experience from from you that you're feeling. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. I mean, you have. To, I, I believe you have to write from personal experience, not about yourself necessarily, but mm. you have to write from a true place within yourself. You know, I mean, of course, you can imagine other characters, and you can't have just one character in any story, and you've got to have different points of view. But essentially, you have to be connected, I think, to the material. Uh, how um, this, this is interesting because I could probably connect to that story very easily. The guilt that mm. one feels being in a privileged space, specifically being white and privileged yeah. in a South African context. How do you make a story like that appealing to someone who hasn't had that background? You can't appeal to everyone. You know what I mean? You can't or write. Or make them understand. Well, for I, d- I, th- I don't think you can write a story thinking I want to make everyone understand because then you must do a textbook. I think that you. Um, <laughs> you hate the school. I could see. There's been a few references actually, throughout. Yeah. I love school. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Write a textbook. Carry on. So I think you've just got to write a story uh, of 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 and choose your characters who are going to tell that story. Mm. You know, and obviously you want to have some conflict and in a conflict. Inner and external, or but I think you've just got to tell tell the story you want to tell. You know, you can't take on the burden. We have enough burdens. You can't take on the burden of now. I have to tell the story of South Africa oh, mm, and mm, tell mm. everyone the same. You can't do that. Mm. You, you're just gonna. It's like doing a biopic and trying to do every year from birth to death. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not gonna have a story. Mm, mm, mm. Really? Yeah, I think for me, you know, I've spoken with you about this as well. Is that what's fascinated me is the story about. Um, foreign nationals within South Africa. And this was something that was interesting to me before I even got an opportunity to travel the continent, um, was how do foreign nationals relate and live within this country, which is so diverse. And for me, what was what, what I loved is to celebrate this diversity that we have in South Africa, which we don't focus on so much. And, you know, through, through, through traveling, you know, the African continent, I've been able to see how how many homes of other Africans are within in Johannesburg and South Africa as a whole? And for me, it's interesting to see how they see the the, the viewpoint of our country, um, and how they still living their lives. So it's almost going back to what I've talking about in terms of let's say apartheid is, is the backdrop. South Africa is a backdrop. Present day South Africa. I'm a a foreign national in South Africa who's dealing with my own issues from my own country, which affect me now that I'm here. Maybe having fled war, and how do I relate to the dynamics of South Africa and the dynamics of where I come from? And how these two wrestle with each other. And this is the, a story that I've been writing for the, the last f- three or four years, which, which I told you about, which is the land of Bunt, which is a story about a Somali man who's come to South Africa to look for his wife. But when he's in this country, he doesn't know where he is, where she is, sorry. And he's battling with the, f- the effects of his, of the war. And he's battling with the effects of the current state of South Africa and how these two wrestle with him. 
mm. and they wrestle with his mind and they wrestle with you know he has he has images of home in a foreign country but he's 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 still having to live in this country which he has does, its own yeah. issues you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Well, last week we did a show on is South Africa becoming Zimbabwe? And we got a whole bunch of Zimbabweans in. And um, <laughs> they they believe that we might be on the path. But it was fascinating to, to hear their experiences of what it was like to leave Zimbabwe. That moment, I don't know, Rory, if you felt that, but that moment that they decided yeah. that they needed to leave Zimbabwe, their country of birth, yeah. the thing that they know. And it was just such a powerful moment for me. It is. And I think it, it touches on the power of storytelling is your ability to tap into an emotion uh, and then to almost decide where you're going to take or the journey you're going to take uh, the, the whoever's reading or watching and so on on using that emotion and how you impact, how you affect that emotion to go through high points and low points. And if you guys were to reflect on the, the key emotion that, 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 that actually that could drive the most South Africans right now or is most powerful in, in the life of South Africa right now. What is that emotion uh, that, that is really relevant to where South Africa is right now? What would you, and I know it's difficult because we're, we're, we're such a diverse group, but what is that central emotion you feel that, that, that almost uh, captures and unites all South Africans uh, around the same struggles? Confusion. Mm, you think it's it's confusion I, I is the big is, is the overriding one. Confusion about mm. yeah, I think and and there's there's anger. Anger. Zueli, do you feel? Are you feeling anger? Is is that is that key emotion? I think I think anger is is is, is one of them. Mm. Um, I also think it's I think frustration is close to anger, mm. but it's almost it's a mm. it's yeah. a it's, it's an inner conflict I believe mm. of a. Of a of a kind of a build up of things, you know. Yeah. Um. So it's it's anger. It's also how could I say it? It's almost a I don't want to say confusion, but yeah, confusion it would be there as well as 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 as, as mm. Rosalind was saying. But also there is also a a mental kind of like uh, struggle. Mm. I think internal conflict makes more sense. Makes mm. it, it, it explains what articulates what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um. Where. It's, it's emotions that I think we don't know what we, we, we're dealing with within, th- within us. We can't actually put our name to it. We name yeah. a name to it. But there's, yeah. there's definitely something that I think everyone can, can, can attest to. Andrew, it's a, so, so this is interesting because we, you know, all the shows or most of the shows that we do touch on things that, and, and we, we get a lot of reaction from, from shows, particularly shows that, you know, what do black people want, white privilege and so on. And, and most of all, we get anger. And, and I'm just wondering, what does that mean for South Africa, you know, and, and, and what does that mean for the leadership of this country? You know, do, do we need a leader? One can imagine that there was anger when Nelson Mandela, uh, came out of prison and so on, but, but he was the type of leader that helped us to either cope or suppress whatever it is that, 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 that you think he did. Uh, anger was not the defining emotion of that era, one, one imagines. Now it is. And I wonder, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Um, I certainly don't have the answer to that as a, as a country, but I think what someone once told me that anger is, is, is finds itself in fear. So you are angry because you're fearful. And, um, and I think there's a lot of fear around who we are as people in South Africa Mm. and what, you know, Ross, you were speaking about, um, 
identity. And I think there's a huge identity crisis in South Africa. I mean, when was the last time you were like, I'm South African? Besides, you know, the people who support our national teams in, in football or rugby or cricket or whatever the case may be. You know, like when was the, the last time you were proud to be yeah. that South African? When was African? the last time you, you could say you're South African and be sure of what you mean? Exactly. What does it mean to be South African? Yeah. You know, where, yeah. where are the connecting blocks? You know, like uh, because our, our, our pasts are so different. Um, Rory, we were speaking before the, the show talking about when we were growing up. Paddington Bear, we had such a UK influence as white South Africans. Um, so I remember going overseas and thinking how amazing it was to see the red telephone box because Paddington Bear told me about that and Noddy, you know, and, and so on and so on. I know that sounds retarded, but those are where the stories start. And what are the stories that are connecting us as South Africans today that black, white, Indian, colored, Chinese, foreign national or, or, you know, naturalized or South African can actually go, that just gets it. Eh? From every angle, that just gets it. It just feels mm. so good. Uh, let, let me ask the storytellers in the studio. Let's, let's do a little, let's tap into your, your storytelling. Your creativity. Uh, 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 skills here. If you, <laughs> if you had to write a, a script for what's happening in South Africa right now, who would you say is the villain? But, but hang on a second. When you say what's happening in South Africa, because in South Africa, lots of things are happening. So let's tap into that particular emotion. So, so the emotion around uncertainty, the fear, the anger. I also wanted to say before we get to that, yes. something about anger is that anger is an interesting emotion because anger projects a certain reaction, whether good or however you want to look at it. But it, anger is often the thing that causes somebody to do something, essentially. Mm. You know, you, you, you always say, you always say to yourself, uh, when that person acted in that way, why what did he act that way? Mm-hmm. I was angry. He was angry. So mm-hmm. anger is, is it's a, it's a tra- it pushes you towards a trajectory into of sorts, into mm-hmm. an action. So anger is a, I don't think a bad thing. Mm. Um, it's just depending on whatever that action that does come across is, 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 is it a, is it something negative or something positive? But it's, I don't, people always associate anger with a negativity mm. and I don't think it always is. Are you worried about the trajectory that we're on right now being fueled by anger? Just as South Africa, the, the current state of our anger, do you think it's a positive anger? I think so. Mm. I really do. I think it's a, it's a, it's, 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 it's enabling us to, to, to discuss things that we were not discussing before. So mm. I think it's, and challenging our thinking. It's not just being told and then we're thinking. And now, you know, I think the anger we have today is being channeled in the right direction to be able to create the change that we want to see mm. as the people. I, I have an interesting question. There was a, there was a movement uh, that happened on Sunday, I believe, at Constitutional Hill called Black, uh, Black, Black Girls, Girls mm. Only. Yes. And that, ma- that got me thinking about stories and narratives in South Africa that are specific to one, one race, one identity, one religion. And whether that might be a positive thing or a good thing that to segregate or to separate, you know, like, is that a good thing? I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm asking the question, like, black girls only, where black girls unite and then talk about black girl issues. Is that, you know, like, is that, is that something that's important to have in South Africa? I think so, because I think the, the issues that black girls go through are different. You know, there are, there are similarities, but differences which are there. And I think those, those, that movement for me, is, uh, is, is important so that those issues that they, they are facing, they are able to speak to people and be able to converse and be able to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's, it's, it's great that it, that, 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 that happened. Um, I, I wasn't there. I don't know what, what the, the conversation was about, but I think, 
I had I had a few friends who discussed it, and I thought um, this is this is great. I think though, even if 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 a story is kind of culturally very specific to a certain group, um, a good story will still be universal. There will be something that anyone can watch, and it might be things might be totally foreign, but there'll be something that you can relate to in terms of humanity, mm. you know, emotion or yeah. So l- let's go back to writing that story around this emotion that we're feeling in South Africa, mm-hmm. the anger, the uncertainty. Who do you think is, is, is the villain currently looking at what's happening in society? <laughs> Rory just wants you to get there. He wants I you want to you go guys to write, to write me a story and, and right he wants here. You to write your story about how F.W. de Klag is the villain nah. in the story. I think he's a For me, show. corruption is the villain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who who represents it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> many people. <laughs> you can uh, say it. You can no, say it. It's absolutely not fun. One Frankly corru- speaking, there's not one just one corrupt person in this country. Frankly speaking, okay. who's the kingpin? The one that the hero eventually gets to, <laughs> and he's like, <gasps> I've been waiting for this. Moment. I finally found you. <laughs> uh, I think. I think it's 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 the king and his supporters. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's not just one person, but but corruption is a state of mind. You know what I mean? It's a it's it's a morality. It's 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 a in some ways a lack of morality, and it seems and and that's and for me, you know, the education is a direct casualty of that villain. You know what I mean? Because money's not going to where it should be going, mm-hmm. and yeah. So I would probably. If I wanted to tell that story, maybe tell the story of a mother and a child, and she wants the best for her child, but it ain't happening. Mm. Really? Yeah. Who's the who's, who's the villain? You know, I think like you know, the beauty of filmmaking is that you can you can create characters who represent or, or metaphorically represent a specific uh, mm. you know character. So who needs to be metaphorically <laughs> represented? <laughs> for me, what I really you know, going back to what you were talking about, man versus himself, I think it's the ghosts of our past which are our enemy. Um, whether for good or for bad, um, you know, whether they are friends or whether they are enemy, but I feel that they are, it would be interesting to make a story about how we could maybe externalize those into individuals that represent our past in, in, in a sense, you know, mm. as, you know, that's the beauty of storytelling to be able to, you know, have characters who, who, who would represent that, 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 that struggle in a mm. sense. Um, so for me, I, I wouldn't go to, to kind of naming anybody, but I think it's, it's those things which, even without those characters, are the things that we're dealing with today. And uh, the superhero, who who is the protagonist in the story? Well, that's the problem. <laughs> I think the protagonist is going to be always the character South Africans, us. We yeah. are the we are the protagonist, the country ourselves. That, that, that's you know that's interesting because if you if you look at the stories of our past, they read like uh, Marvel comics, just in terms of just the the depth of heroes, superheroes that we've got in there. You know, Tambo, uh, uh, Biko, Mandela, and so on. Tutu, put Tutu's name. Tutu, you know, all all, all <laughs> of those. And then we and then we ask you right now, who would be the hero now? And it's it's now a group. There, there there's no identity. Might might not be a bad thing, but you know what is what, what what is the saying? Yeah, that is very that, interesting. I, I think in that's interesting. Of, yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, in terms of what you're saying about anger, is those people were fueled by anger at the injustice mm. that you know that that fueled those superheroes and that anger created you know a, a lot of hardship for them in their personal lives or whatever, but ultimately for the greater good. So I think that's a very good example of anger mm. being positive. I think if, anger. if I were to tell a story today, I'd, I'd make the a character. As I mentioned, the people, but I tell the story through the youth or, or individual character, part of the youth in South Africa today. Mm. He would be my protagonist. Mm. Um, 
in terms of being more specific in terms of me saying the people, I'd say I'll, t- I'll tell the story through the through the. Mm. the why 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 would you use the youth as the hero for 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 this? For because this I think right now we the youth is dealing with things that are not only con- t- contemporary or today, but also issues from the past, which they were, you know, um, not directly involved in in terms of because they were not there, but also that these these things are still here today, which mm. I have to deal with. Which mm. is our responsibility to deal with. It's not that okay, I wasn't involved in, so those things don't have have nothing to do with me. You know, I've got to now fight that battle as well again. You know, which for me is interesting because it, as a story would be interesting. It's it's it's, it's interesting even today because we having to understand the past so that we can deal with the past and also deal with what's happening today. What what, what would you say? So so. What are the superpowers that the youth are using today to try and, and, and remembering that this all centers around uncertainty. Yes. And again, I'm surprised that you would say it's the youth, uh, who are, you know, probably the most uncertain mm. and, and at a stage of life where the uncertainty is amplified by uncertainty about yourself and your own identity, never mind a political identity. Mm. And yet you select this group that is probably the, at the, at the worst stage of, of just uncertainty as the heroes in the story. I think I, I say that because I'm part of the youth as well. And I think obviously they, they might be a, a, a few that are, that are, that are, that are able to, you know, are part of this, 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 this change. But I think the superpowers would be, um, our voices, our, us, you know, kind of talking against what we, 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 we don't want to, we don't want to see or what we don't want to have happen again or, have happened in in the future. So I think for me, it's something that I'm that we've been part of. So we we, we see that as, as something that's that's different to what we've seen over the last few years. So I see that as as, as a new found voice or power that we have. You know, Brandon Sanderson says the purpose of a storyteller is not to tell you how to think, but to give you the questions to think upon. Looking at some of the stories coming out of South Africa, what are we? What are our storytellers asking us to think about? From the past stories? No. From now, from now, like the, the stories, stories that, that are coming, coming out, out now. now about the present. What are they forcing us to? to and to, be it on different mediums. So whether it be radio, whether it be you know sitcoms, soapies, like what are we asking the country to think about? I'm wondering your your silence. Is that mm. saying that the stories that are coming out aren't forcing us to? Uh, you know, because I, I was thinking movies in, in terms of that mm. right now. I don't think so. I don't think they're forcing us to think about. Our past to say there are a lot of it's becoming our, our filmmaking at the moment or uh, from what I'm seeing is a lot very commercial which isn't necessarily specific to those issues that we're discussing in the show mm. so they haven't been I don't think so personally mm. been been uh, taking out those issues or you know they, they've been kind of mm. watered down yeah. yeah that's that's how I feel Roz, uh, I think, okay, talking, I was trying to think of theater, um, but talking about, um, soapies, and I can only talk about the ones I've worked on. Um, I think there's the two things. I think that, that life is often hard, uh, for people, and you want to create a space where they can just chill, laugh, uh, feel, forget, you know, um, get worried about what Tim Beck is going to do because just for that moment, it's relaxation. You know, and I, so I don't think it's, 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 they're not challenging you to, you know, on, on the themes that, the way you're talking about. But, um, yeah, I think ultimately, um, a story must resonate in some way. And if you do that, I don't think you can take on 
as a as an individual storyteller, I, I'm going to do all of this. Yes. Yeah. You know, you just need to tell the story with honesty and integrity and authenticity. And then I think it's up to the readers, the audience, whatever, to to take away what what they can. And hopefully you've moved them, and hopefully you've taken them on a journey mm. of some kind. Yeah, I think sometimes also maybe it might be the worry that no, nobody will want to watch that story, or mm. you know, which is the commercial aspect that, that, of that, it. That, yeah. that, 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 that's not good though, you know, because we we should be able to tell whatever story we want to, you know. And I think those are probably more important than some of the commercial stories that are being told. So. I still think that we need to, those are, those are the important stories that I was talking about earlier that we need to still tell about South Africa. You know, film is difficult because it's so expensive. Mm. You know, you can write a story to, to print a book and to make a film. The difference in, in budget is huge. huge. So I think with film, the, the pressure for uh, commercial, you know, people don't want to spend that money and risk. Mm. So it is a diff- it's a difficult medium. To really push boundaries unless you self fund or you you know you you it's 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 not easy to to make those films here and now uh, and get the funding all right we're speaking uh, to Rosalind Butler and uh, Zuele to Radebe uh, about South African stories we've been talking about the past the present uh, we're going to speak to some of our directors of the future uh, some guys that have been doing some really cool stuff Ernest and Cozy from Tina Sobabili as well as a gentleman who's just uh, created a movie called Jeez, now you see this is this is what I have to do I have to go back here and look at my script to find out what the movie was called um, Happiness is a four-letter word. It's just come out, and apparently it's very good. There's a whole bunch of love stories coming out of South Africa. I know you're excited about that, Rory. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> right after. I don't understand uh, where we're finding the love in this country right now. This is a cool song, though. This might be the love. It's cool. It's from uh, Jabukandile. It's Sponky Ponk. Sponky Ponky. Ah, Ponky. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. I just love this. I just love this. It's just so great. Sponky Ponky. Sponky Ponky love. What is Sponky Ponky love? Me, I don't know, Chief. You're the one that you, chose the not, song. You're not on that. Okay. <laughs> All right. I see. I see. Uh, okay. So we've been speaking about South African stories and... Um, does South Africa have a good story to tell? What are the new stories coming out of South Africa? 27 minutes past 10. We're on till 11. It's Rory Sang and Andrew. Frankly speaking, frankly speaking, do we have any good stories to tell? Uh, on the line now, we've got some very interesting uh, people. They have created some very different films. Um, so Tabang Moleya has created Happiness is a four-letter word. It's just, it's just, just come out. Good morning, Tabang. How are you? I'm very well, my brother. How are you? I'm so great. You know, you 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 like literally two blocks away from our studios, and you don't even want to come here. Uh, you know what? I wanted to come, and then the guy said, "No, you guys don't want to see my face. You want to do telephonic." It's true. Yes. I have. It's there true. You, your face is not so lacquer. What can I say? It it, it happens. You're he's born weaving, like that. It's he's fine. He's weaving yeah? a story right there. <laughs> yeah, he's weaving a story. A Since when? <laughs> I have a face for radio. Talk to me. Talk to me about this this movie. A couple of friends of mine have seen it, and uh, at the premiere, you know those people that get lucky enough to go to premieres and get invited and get free popcorn. That's not us, Rory. Um, but yep, definitely you, you know, me. but but happiness is a four letter word. You got Kani Imbao in your movie. Talk to me about this. Um, yeah, we actually have an amazing uh, star-studded lineup. Uh, we've got some really amazing actors. Some of them I had worked with in the past. Um, 
like Somla Dandada, I'd worked with on Jacob Cross and Mawat Monto on Jacob Cross as well. Um, and then Kanye Mbao, first time working with her. Kanye was one of those when I was still reading the character for Zaza. You know, when you're reading a character, you kind of know the right person who can play that role. Um, so Kanye was kind of, a lot of the actors were kind of, I already had an idea of who would play those parts. It was just really seeing that in real life, you know? Okay, give us a little synopsis. For those who've never heard of Happiness as a four-letter word, it's a very new film. Give us a little synopsis. What What's the movie about? Well, the movie is, uh, the movie is actually based on a book uh, written by Cynthia Jele. Um, and basically it's about how we adapted it from book to screen. Um, it's about three women who are all in different aspects of their lives. One of them is about to be made partner at a law firm. The other one runs uh, an art exhibition. Uh, she's a curator. She buys and sells art. And the other woman just happens to be uh, a rich housewife. And all of them are faced with different challenges, but ultimately they need to make a decision for themselves, what makes them happy. And in order to know what makes you happy, you need to know who you are. So it's a journey about going inside yourself and facing yourself and being able to make decisions ultimately that make you happy in the end. Tabang, uh, you, you're tapping into the emotion of happiness and uh, we just had your colleague uh, in studio, uh, Zueli and, and, and Rosalind, and we were just tr- asking them, what is the overriding emotion that they feel uh, characterizes the story of South Africa right now. And they spoke of uncertainty, they spoke of anger and so on. Uh, how do you how do you then build a story around happiness in an environment like this? What is it that is that that that, that drove you to this story amongst all the other stories and all the other emotions that you could have chosen to tap into? Well you know what? That's a very good question, but I'll tell you now, I think those are I don't think we explore those those themes of love and happiness enough in South African films, you know. Uh, it's so the 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 instinctive go-to feeling is anger, resentment, um, feeling like you've been cheated on, or feeling like the world owes you. And you know, so I think I think it's time that we start telling stories about about different themes, about love, about happiness, and and actually having people to reflect on their own lives because a lot of the time doing things based on making other people happy, you know. We people are doing jobs and they're working in positions where they're just getting by, you know. It's just ah uh, I I have bills to pay, I have things to and really if you if you ask majority of people, are you doing what makes you happy? Are you in a relationship that's making you happy? I think a majority of those answers would be no. Mm-hmm. Um so it's really about giving the audience at the end of the movie a real a chance to say, am I making, am I living to other people's expectations? Mm. And if I may, if I live to my own happiness, how will that change my world and my reality? Um, and also it's just, I think it's themes that, um, people want to, people want to go and see. I believe an audience will pay money to go and see a film like this, you know? 
so Hopefully. and and do you think audiences are resonating with 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 these stories of happiness and so on um we had our producer here when the song was playing he was in the show and saying ah guys what kind of a show are you guys putting on today you guys are more edgy you speak about tough things racism today is speaking about storytelling come on uh, and, 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 yeah. and 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 people so people say they're tired of us speaking about the tough things and then we soften it up a bit and then they're like ah come on we want that hard stuff um sure. to to what extent are people uh, are resonating with this of course we 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 heard about tell me sweet something as well which 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 apparently didn't do as well as they had expected at the box office um how are south africans uh, uh, resonating with these stories as opposed to the stories that we're used to telling the sadder stories well you know it's also uh it's it's also how things are you know, we live in a world of instant gratification and we live in a world that uh, the more hectic the headline, the more the more it'll sell, you know. So you, if you see a front page newspaper about a grandson buys Gogo a thousand flowers, like that's like, oh man, this guy bought his Gogo flowers, like, you know. So it's not, I think it's time that we opened our hearts up to themes that will make us happy, you know, uh, or themes that will inspire us, you know. As... The, like, I believe that the core of human existence is to love. We're born to love. Anything great that's been achieved was created by love. Steve Jobs made Apple. Apple was an idea and a vision. He executed it because he loved it. We, if you don't love or if you're not loved, you'll actually just like fade and disappear into nothing, you know? So as, as something that is like the core of the human existence is love and that's what the movie is based on. It's based on love. And those are the themes that make us live. That's what we live for every day, you know? So, um, sure, there'll be many movies about, you know, action dramas and racism and all that, but it's quite tiring. It gets to a point where we know that we've got more stories to tell and more themes to explore. But, but, but it's also in the way that you tell the story, isn't it? So, so you might not be addressing those issues, but for example, you have a majority black cast. Um, yeah. and, and in that way, one might say you are making a, a political statement, uh, uh, so to speak, in the sense that, sure. yes, that, yes, that is actually how South Africa looks like, and that's the majority, but that's not what you tend to see the most of on screen. And so you're breaking the mold in that way. Do you, do you feel that you, are you doing that consciously, or are you, are you simply just going, you know, doing what you're doing, and you're not, you're not conscious of those types of things? Well, I mean, that, I mean, that, that is a conscious decision because a lot of the films, a lot of the black films are, you know, the themes are around poverty, the themes are around the struggle, the themes are about, you know, identity and searching for. So a lot of the themes we've explored in, in like black stories are quite, are a little bit heavy, you know? So I'm looking at a world where we, like, between the producers and I, I mean, we, we have an amazing team of producers. On the phone, Helena Spring, Bongi Solani, Junaid Ahmed, and we all sat down and we said, listen, there is a story of the upmarket black society. And amongst the, um, amongst the money and amongst the flash, there's still that search for happiness. And there's, there's still that search for someone who, for someone who wants to exist beyond the material thing, you know? So you do have uh, a very emerging black society, which is still tackling 
issues that someone who's poor is also tackling or someone who's a millionaire is also tackling, you know? The themes are universal. Um, so, for example, uh, Kanye Bar plays, uh, plays Zaza, and Zaza is Zaza's married a really wealthy, wealthy man, but that man is absent, you know? She has anything she wants for. She's got the car, she's got the house, but at the same time, she's still yearning for a companion, someone who can hold at night and, and say, are you okay? How was your day? Are you happy? And she doesn't have that. So she ends up searching for that elsewhere, and that compromises her family and her marriage, ultimately. So a lot of those themes are happening today. You know, women are married into relationships where, where their husbands are wealthy, but they're still feeling lonely. And those are the stories that happiness kind of taps into and really unpacks. So I, I, uh, I haven't seen the film, um, but I'm hoping you're going to hook us up with some tickets. But I've heard that the person that Zaza then falls in love with is a, a struggling artist. Uh, is that you, Tabak? Do you want to be with Kanye <laughs> Bao and then you wrote a movie about it? I mean, that's quite extreme. You could have just asked her. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. She's not. Uh, actually, it's uh, Princess who's played by Renato Storman. She falls in love with a struggling artist. Ah, but I see. Whereas, um, yeah, so, but, but, but what ultimately happens is that what society expects from our characters and what our characters want for themselves are two different things. Mm. And that's where, and that's where, that's where the collision happens and that's how the drama unfolds, you know? Um, it's always the expectation that, oh, like for me, you know, I'm 33, I'm not married, uh, I'm single, I don't have a child. And everyone goes, what, you're 33, you don't have a child. Like, it's what society expects from me. But if I really look at what I want, that's not what I want for myself, you know? Mm. Tabang, it's it's quite interesting that in South Africa in particular, we've got, we, we've got what might be regarded as different versions of happiness. There's white happiness and there's black happiness. So I'm thinking about, as you were speaking about, uh, what, what happiness is, I was thinking that one, one can, one can, uh, almost accuse it, uh, or not necessarily accuse, but, but, but similar and say that's the white, that's the white framing of happiness. If you remember like Yizo Yizo and so on, um, one right. can argue that that was also, that also seemed to, that, that seemed to share a happiness. It was a weird sort of happiness because it was steeped in gangsterism and all of that. But you know, there were, there were, there were people in there who just exemplified a certain type of, let's say, gassy happiness. Um, right. are these the sorts of things that you're conscious about to say, uh, you know, in in reflecting happiness, are we truly reflecting uh, a, a happiness that is authentic to to this black middle class that we are trying to tell the story of, or could those four characters have easily been four white women and it wouldn't have made a difference? You see, also I think that's also quite a relevant statement you're making because if you look at the time in which um, you know years uh, years was made plus minus fifteen years ago. And those are the themes that were quite dominant in terms of black culture. And I think 15 years later, we haven't explored other themes. And that already means that something should change within our storytelling. Because even though 15 years ago, the themes of years ago were relevant, some of them are relevant today, but a lot of them have changed in the same vein. So would the story still exist with like three uh, lead white characters? Yes, it would. It's still... You know what we've tried to do is we we created a um, we created a sex in the city meets waiting to a tale meets 
um, uh, meet 2016 modern day South, South Africa, and we just collided all of that. You know, um, it was quite important, obviously, that the themes of the black culture and what people are going through right now get portrayed. And with all due respect, there hasn't been a movie like the one we've just been able to produce right now. Um, the production quality is high, the actors, the performances. And beyond that, we try to include African. Uh, we've got Chris Atto, who's quite uh, popular in Ghana, and he's a lead character in Tunso. And we've also got uh, Tungai, who's from Zimbabwe, but he's based in L.A. So the movie not only has a local feel, it's got a pan-African appeal, and it's got an international feel at the same time. Uh, there's a there's a good question around who gets things done in terms of the money and the money makes movies, right? Was it yeah. difficult to sell this movie to people in terms of getting funding? Um, because, you know, I think that's one of the big issues. We've got a lot of stories to tell. But who's telling these stories because they don't have the money to actually create these stories, specifically in movie making? We heard from Roz that it's a very expensive affair. Um, did you battle with, with bringing this film to life? Well, fortunately, um, my producers who we've been working on this film uh, for about two years, uh, but officially on and off for about five years in total. And, you know, with having the experience that Helena Spring has and Bongi Silani and Jumeir Ahmed, um, those are pretty much, I would say, three of the best producers in the country. So in order for the funders to invest in believing that they could execute it, Sure, it was a little bit challenging, but I, but it was a lot easier because my producers have a really good track record. Um, for me, it was important. What they did was they put me in the forefront. They said, listen, this is um, a filmmaker who's been doing TV drama and commercials for about 10, 15 years, and this is his first movie. So um, I guess I was more of a gamble more than they were, you know? Um and I guess they they really just believed that I, I could execute it. So in terms of the funding is always a challenge. Um, but we've had uh, the NSDS is also a partner. Third Chemical is a partner. MNET is a partner. Um, so there are people that came to the party and really made sure that I was equipped with, that I had anything and everything that I needed. Um, and whenever we kept drafting the script and we got to... Uh, we got to another version of the script and I thought we were ready to shoot. My producer would be like, no, we need to polish this. It's not ready. We're not ready. And then that would take another four months for us to get the script in a better position. So uh, I was really backed by the best people in the industry. The partners were quite supportive. And um, I think in the end, you just need people that believe in you, you know. Um, besides people that can raise the money, it's easy, you know, sure, raising the money is hard, but also it's important to have producers who are creative as well and not just about the money, you know, because mm. um, I would want to spend money on things carelessly and they would always try and pull me back and get other things. You don't need the money for that. Rather put the money in this. Um, and also just their creative input really elevates the film. You know, uh, I think with, if people say, what, what is this movie like? I, I always say it's like Tyler Perry on film. Mm. 
Yeah. It's a so as as we wrap up with you, Tabang. The, the the stories the stories that we tell today are ultimately going to shape our future. Um, and you know, one can argue that the stories that we that we were told growing up are ultimately beginning to shape uh, our present. Um, what what is it that what are the stories that we need to be telling? Um, into the future in order to make sure that the, the, the future generations do not forget where we come from, but stories that just inject a new sort of narrative uh, into who we are as black South Africans, as white South Africans, and as a united South Africa. Uh, what are those stories and, and, and who needs to tell them? We are responsible for telling those stories. I just want to encourage us to move away from stories about race and stories about, you know, mm. there's so many, for example, there's so many um, female, uh, there's so many women that are getting into the industry. Mawad Monster is also a director. There's so many women that are writing, that are being, that are, that are shooting. You know, it's important that we empower that and we support women to get into the industry and shoot their own stories, you know. Um, there's so many stories that we heard growing up, whether the stories were made up, stories around, uh, stories that my grandmother used to tell. There's a million stories. Like, for me, like, I just want to tell stories that will, that will resonate, that will be remembered, that will, um, and I just want to move away from, you know, people feeling guilty about a history that they didn't, that they weren't responsible for, you know. Um, I want to be able to walk into a cinema with any of my friends, like white colored and watch a movie without walking out and feeling like I should catch an Uber home and I don't want to ride with Tom. We just need to move away from that. I'm not saying that those stories aren't important because they, they really shape our history, but um, there's so many stories, you know. There's, there's, stories, there's stories that, um, like, we took a novel, a simple generals, and we made it into a movie. Jason Dahl writes books. Um, there's so many African authors that have written amazing books. I want to get into a place where I'm adapting novels and movies, you know? Um, T- yeah. Tabang, we're going to have to leave it there. It's uh, Tabang Moleya. He is the scriptwriter, director, the man on the move of this new movie called Happiness is a Four Letter Word. Tabang, I do hope that you do come right with Kanye and Bao because you made a movie about her, so that's important. <laughs> uh, where can people see this movie? Uh, when does it come out? The movie comes out on the 19th of February and it's coming out at Circunical Outlets, 146 Circunicals around the country. What is important about the 19th of February, that opening weekend determines how long we survive on circus. Friday is the 19th, Saturday is the 20th, Sunday is the 21st. People need to go on those three days to watch that movie because if we don't get the numbers that we're meant to get in on those three days, the movie... Yeah, it's compromised and it means we won't survive on circuit as, meant, as long as we're meant to. Opening weekend pretty much determines how well the movie will do. So it's important that people don't say, no, it's coming out on the 19th. I'll see it the following weekend. They have to go see it on the 19th. All right. So we we got it. We'll, we'll promise to go. I'll take Rory as my date. <laughs> Yeah, I, he, he hasn't asked me, so I can't <laughs> promise. But uh, we got the message: fill up the bioscope. That's uh, the theme. Uh, we're hashtag going to there, hashtag huh? fill up the bioscope. Uh, we're going to do, make it happen. All right, we've also got Ernest and Corsi on the line. He has created a film that is uh, very different to the one we've just. Can you hear uh, me? I lost you. Oh. He's he's created a film uh, who where it's uh, slightly more. 
in tune with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's called Tina Sobabili. Have you heard about it? I have. So Tina Sobabili follows a story in Alex around um, around sugar daddies. Explain what sugar daddies are to people. I don't know what sugar daddies are. Let's ask Ernest to explain to us what sugar daddies are. Ernest? Ernest? Ernest, you there? We we seem to have we lost. Seem to we lost we seem to have lost Ernest. Um, yeah. So, I think this has been a rather interesting conversation, just in terms of understanding what the key stories um, that shape our current, uh, that shape our present, and 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 that shape our, our past, or essentially have shaped our past, and and need to shape our our future are. Um, the the big question I think for all of us, Andrew, is is to figure out what exactly and and how exactly we're going to how exactly we're going to make sure that those stories uh, live on and uh, that we tell the different angles of those stories. It's 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 a it's a big concern I think from um, from what we've heard from our guests that uh, we we haven't gotten good at telling the good news stories. Um, and the question then becomes, Andrew. Do people actually want to hear it? Do people actually want to have shows like the one we've had today where we speak about the good stuff um, and, and and not just focus on the gory things? Is it just the, the nature of who we are as South Africans? You know, I think I think they, they always say two things like sex sells and so does horror. People love macabre stuff. So I think that everyone is going to be attracted to the idea of bad things and negative things and controversy. And then when you see like, tell me sweet something or happiness is a four letter word, you wonder to yourself, you know, like, are these things going to sell? We heard Tabang's plea to say, guys, you need to get to the movies uh, on opening weekend. That's probably because he's going to battle to keep it on air. If people don't come to it, uh, it's past Valentine's day. So it's, uh, it's going to be, it's not for that market. Hopefully they will be able to uh, get some people to, to the theaters. But I think it's a, it's a serious question is how do people want to hear the stories of South Africa going forward? How, what stories should we be telling? And I, I again want to say, you know, I think it's the intricacies of those stories. It's the detail of those stories that, that really brings the richness of South Africa to light. So for example, this Tina Sobabili, we're trying to get Ernest and Corsi back on the line. He made the film himself. What a brilliant, brilliant film set in Alex. Yeah. It is beautiful. If you, if you're not from Johannesburg and you've never seen Alex, it just gives you a great representation of what Alexandra looks like, the feel and what, you know, what people go through to get, uh, you know, their daily lives through. Increasingly, I'm hearing, I'm hearing this word beautiful about South African film. What, what do you think has changed? You're a, you're a man who is familiar with the workings behind a camera. I know absolutely nothing about it. Uh, what do you think is changing about the way that South Africans are beginning to tell stories and to put movies together? I think it really comes down to technology. I think it comes down to the idea of, of the technology is now in everyone's hands. And it means that the people who were creative, who were able to tell amazing stories, can now tell those stories because it's cheaper to film, to make, to edit. Mm. So I think there's, there's something in that. Um, with regards to creating beautiful stories, this guy who was speaking to Ernest and Cosi, he made the film himself. Let's let's chat to him. Ernest, good uh, good morning to you. 
Hey, good morning. Can you hear me? I, I was hearing you. I don't know if you can hear me now. No, we, we, we've got you now. We've got you now. Thank you so much for joining us on Cliff Central. You created a movie called Tina Sobabili. What is the basic premise? Well, the basic premise of, of, of the film is it's about sugar daddies and addicts. So you have the have who come from addicts, move to Fenton, and then go back to, to addicts and exploit the have-nots. So I guess in, in short, that's the premise. Uh, Ernest, uh, th- there's been accusations, um, and we've been speaking throughout the show just about uh, the stories that we need to be telling. Um, and 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 there've been accusations about the way that we portray uh, the black story. And and there might be arguments on another side that say we need to be painting a more positive picture. Uh, why did you uh, did you decide to go for this particular story? Um, I'll stop you right there. Yeah, you know, because for me, basically. Um, I've got no time for singing and dancing when my world is on fire. <laughs> so I'm not going to paint happy pictures when there aren't any happy pictures. Mm. So it's through the tragedy and through the darkness that we can actually rediscover our humanity as as South Africans. So that's, oh, that's a that that's yeah. a that's a fantastic uh, a point of view. I, I think it's a we were just speaking to somebody that's made a film and we've uh, uh, recently um, that focuses that chooses to focus on emotion that we're not used to South African filmmakers zooming on, which is happiness. Um, how do you think we lift people out of that? Do you think it's about uh, showing them themselves a lot more, or is it about creating inspirational stories that can uh, help them to aspire to something more? Well, I think I think we shouldn't base stories on on what what message is this going to portray or how is this going to portray our people. I think stories need to be told for the sake of the stories, and everybody's story is important. Just because I don't live in Fenton and drive a fancy a car and then have a nice life, does that mean my story does not deserve to be heard or told? Mm. So that's that's my school of thought is that. I tell stories of, of people who wouldn't necessarily get their story told or get their story heard or seen by the rest of the world. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a global filmmaker now, you know, thankfully. And, and it's my duty to represent the, the voices that never get heard. Ernest, what stories do you want to tell going forward? You know, Tina Sobabili is amazing. The Sugar Daddies thing, unbelievable. And I must congratulate you. I, I, I left that film just thinking... My mind was blown. Uh, you know, Rory, to your point, I had millions of questions afterwards. Just well, well done. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. What What are the stories that you want to tell now? Uh, well, I'm telling another, uh, like, in the midst of, of, of making another film now, uh, our first international film. And funny enough, this is actually a, it's a tragic love story set in Cape Town and in Barbados. <laughs> Ernest, yeah. after all that, after rip- <laughs> I'll stop you right there, is what you said. And then you tell me the next movie you make is a love story. Love it. Okay. No, no, no I said it's a tragic love it's story. A tragic yeah. love story. Ah, okay. I see. I see. <laughs> my apologies. My apologies. Yeah. Ernest, Ernest, you, you, you've, you've, let's say you're, you're on the way to making it or, or your mama have made it. You've made it, right? Oh, let's, let's, let's talk to, to, to aspiring storytellers, the ones that are still coming up. Uh, you've walked a journey now, and and your journey might be might might be inspirational to others that want to tell the stories. Uh, how do they tap into stories that really count? Stories that people want to listen to, or to to watch? 
um, and stories that can make the money. What 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 is that? What what are the ingredients that you would uh, share based on your own personal experience? Well, that's a that's a, that's a tough question, you know, because you, I th- I think fundamentally, before I make my mind up on any project or anything, is is it gonna matter ten years from now? This type of story that I tell. So if I'm making this blockbuster and I'm literally making it for a quick bucket box office, uh, chances are it's not going to matter in a few years' time. And the type of filmmaker that I've set myself to be, I'm trying to really leave a legacy and really make a, a, a footprint globally to, to being like Africa's premier storyteller. You know, So for me, stories that are going to live longer than I've been I've been alive. Yeah, stories that interest me. So it's mostly human stories. Stories that resonate with people. It, it, like, it's pretty much like Tina did, where, where it's months later and you're still thinking about it. There's nothing worse for me than a movie where you leave the theater and by the time you get to the parking lot, you forgot what you watched. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Ernest, uh, we, we unfortunately have to wrap up, but just tell us quickly, where can people who didn't see it on, on movies check out Tina Sobibili? How can I get hold of it? Well, uh, I was going to say, well, uh, because you guys are an internet station, you could probably catch us in, in North America, which is opening in North America, um, okay, on, on the 9th. So we're opening in Canada on the 9th and in LA on the 9th. Uh, locally, uh, we're working on the TV deal, so hopefully we can watch it on TV. All right, my friend. Listen, uh, good luck with your uh, tragic love story, uh, Barbados <laughs> to Cape Town. Looking forward to seeing that, and congratulations on Tina Sobibili. What an unbelievable film. Yeah, I'm work. praising this guy because this movie was absolutely mind-blowing. And, and we absolutely need to get Ernest back because, I, you know, there was this question of what's happening in South Africa. It seems like the quality is improving and yeah. so on, but maybe for another conversation. Thanks a lot, Ernest. Yo, thank you guys for having me, man. You guys always give me a platform to get my two things out there so I appreciate you guys and the rest of the team over there thanks so nice one man alright so wrap, wrapping up very quickly Rory. yeah so do we have Are a good you, story to tell I think we do have good story. we've got so many rich stories to we've tell we've got man. good stories to tell about sad things no the question is do we have good storytellers that's mm. the question because I think we have amazing stories to tell. But I think the key thing, Andrew, is that you and I are storytellers. Every single day we're carrying a story out there to the people that we're with and so on. And the question is what story do we choose to tell? What kind of storytellers do we choose to be in order to shape the country that we want? That is a beautiful way to wrap up the show. And I think it's a good question to keep in mind as you go through your Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening. 9 to 11, it is frankly speaking. Hey, next week... Can black people be racist? We are back in the hot seats. Oh my god. Send word. us some feedback. You've got we've got Duncan our producer oh, looking at word. us saying, uh, guys, what kind of a show is this? Send us feedback. Was this a good show or do you want us to do the heavy hitting stuff? Uh let's close with Leo Tolstoy who says all great literature is one of two stories. A man goes on a journey or a stranger comes to town. We're off on our journey for the week. We'll be back in town next week. Have yourself a lovely day. Ciao, ciao. This is cliffcentral.com.